0: And welcome to this latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With lockdown limitations continually adjusting and the summer now looking us beautifully in the eye, we continue with regular discussions about our respective horticultural worlds.
1: Putting the pandemic's grip on us aside, we sincerely hope that you found enough moments to quietly contemplate, distract yourself, gaze in wonder and generally pour positive and fruitful energy into this most glorious and rewarding of hobbies, which for Saul and myself, we are lucky enough to also call our profession.
0: Restrictions are still with us. Experiences are still unprecedented. But Lucy and I hope that by providing you with a continued shortened version of this podcast every few days, you can easily fit a small dose of horticultural musings into your routine. We will, of course, still bring you longer bonus episodes too when we chat to inspirational peers on more in-depth gardening topics.
1: So fire up the kettle, get comfortable in your favourite chair and join us now for a 20-minute escape into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello Mr Walker, it's lovely to see you again. It's um. It feels like it's been a little while since we've had the chat. I think it's because we stockpiled a few podcast episodes, didn't we? And uh, I'm, it's a delight to see your shining, beamy face. And uh, hello to you.
0: Oh, well, that's very nice of you. It's always it's beamy because it's been quite sunny in the West Country. And I did catch the sun at the weekend a little bit on my, my forehead.
1: Yeah. What were you doing at the weekend?
0: Well, it was really nice. We decided to go a bit further than our usual... Uh, Outings and we went all the way up to the north. We went to the North Devon area. It's a bit oh not to the north, <laughs> yeah, Well, the north well, that's the north to us uh, to us southerners in Devon. It's a it's a bit harsher up in North Devon. A little bit colder. They're a little bit rough yeah. around the edges up there. But uh, anyway,
1: extra extra jumper. Perhaps
0: extra jumper. But we went to um, RHS Rosemore, which is really nice. Um,
1: oh, lovely! It's, it's a lovely. it I've is not a, been there it, for such a long time. Oh, it's
0: one of my fa- it is my favourite of the RHS gardens because without being too unfair to wisley and the others they they all feel a bit put together rosemore is because rosemore used to belong to someone and it was donated to the rhs uh part mm. of the garden still has that feeling of someone's back garden if you know what i mean so yeah. it just it just yeah. has that ambience still and um it was lovely because we you have to book now for all the rhs gardens so we booked early in the week uh for a for the opening slot. Uh, I think they do an hour slot, so you come on the hour that you've chosen. So we got there at 10, and there was only 20 cars in the car park. And it it sort of took me back like 20, 25 years to when I was visiting gardens, when it wasn't really the preserve of everyone going out. It wasn't, you know, or an event space or people having a day out. It used to be that RHS Gardens and a lot of the other gardens even the national trust gardens used to be there for people who were really into gardening so there wasn't many of us walking around the gardens so you used to feel like you had the place to yourself which was always really nice um it's nice that the gardens are being engaged more by the general public but when it's a busy day you don't feel like you're really engaging with the garden as much as trying to avoid the crowds in some yeah. way so to have less people there it was beautiful and rosemore is looking stunning they've done a really nice job to keep the and i'm sure wisley and all and hyde hall and uh, harlow car are all looking top notch but it was looking absolutely beautiful i, I was really it was a lot we spent two hours there we don't th- that's the other sign of a, a nice garden visit is you spend longer because sometimes when you mm. go to a garden it's busy you tend to want to get out <laughs> in some ways or you don't tend to linger so long but it was nice to be able to enjoy the garden yeah. in an unrushed fashion.
1: And when you say you, you had to get there for a certain time slot, so mm. did you have to leave by a certain time? Are they monitoring numbers that way? Or could you? did you have a window of visiting top? How does it work?
0: No, they, you could spend as long as you want, as far as I could tell, because uh, right. it was a 10 to 11 slot. So you can arrive any time between 10 and 11. I think it's so they, mm-hmm. they can limit the numbers, because I, I suspect they know how long people generally stay in the garden for and I will say that actually by the time we left which was about twelve thirty, it was getting a bit busier so I mm. think we did the right thing going in very early and enjoying the garden and then sort of avoiding the crowds as we were leaving
1: and having a, a picnic of sausage rolls and cupcakes
0: Do you know uh one of the revelations of lockdown has been that we me and my partner Nick have got back to cooking uh, and home baking and and I'm sure I, I know that that's uh, a big thing for a lot of people but we we made sausage rolls that were as good as any deli sausage rolls and cupcakes that were delicious and then we went up to Instow beach if anyone knows North Devon it's just uh, north of Westwood Ho uh and we sat down and we had a had a picnic and I thought it was going to be busy you know beaches have been
1: Yeah of course
0: on the news have been really busy but yep. there was no one there a Lovely. couple of dog walkers Oh. It was lovely. Yeah. Did you have a nice weekend?
1: I had a lovely weekend. I, I so like you. I have been embracing the inner cook within, and I, I had a stab at making some homemade ice cream. And this was motivated by me having an amazing glut of fruit this year, specifically right. raspberries. Yes, the raspberries. Yeah, raspberries yeah. are unbelievable. But I've also got gooseberries of all sorts of shapes and colours, and black currants, red currants, strawberries. All, oh, all oh, it's all going on in my garden at the minute. But I wanted to um use the fruit in a just a slightly different way and I thought, well, my husband loves ice cream. I'll earn some brownie points here and uh, and I bought myself an ice cream machine and uh that went into uh it had double cream in it, sugar egg yolks and uh, vanilla pods and full fat uh channel island milk so it was a healthy healthy uh option and then you put the fruit in it which is also you've added a bit of sugar to that as well and oh my goodness it was it was really really good so um you know i mentioned a little while ago my lockdown belly that appeared because of my sourdough obsession
0: it's just (laughs) because it
1: is it's not going to be a belly anymore it's going to be it's going to be all of me and i'm just going to pop with full fat cream and and carbohydrates and i'm i'm just going to embrace i'm just going to embrace it there you go what can you do so
0: (laughs) What can you you do? If you've got a glass, you've got to use it, haven't you? That's the key. You have.
1: Just going very Mm. quickly back to Roseport, my time there was um, when I was working at Wisley and we did a study tour and went and met the garden staff there and stayed in that neck of the woods for a little while, which was lovely. And my outstanding memory of that garden was all the lichen and moss on the trees and shrubs, the way it just hung there, absolutely hung there because of that perennially moist climate and the lovely clean air and everything like that it's are they is that still going on
0: yeah the the especially um there's the bit where you go to the tunnel and it's a bit like a, a gorge with all the rocks and it does feel mm. a bit primeval down in that bit and, and the the light fades a little bit if it, it feels like you're going into sort of those those sort of ra- welsh rainforests as they call them with lovely. with the moss and the lichens i gotta say rosemore's yeah. looking really really good it's Uh, And it's the same with all the RHS gardens. They're putting a lot of effort into the horticultural standards, as we call them. And I think the the level of practice there is it's gone up amazingly in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, You know, I'm well impressed with the amount of, uh, you know, effort and investment they are putting into the gardens. So fingers crossed that continues.
1: Yeah. Well, when I when I was there, it was a good 20 years ago. So I obviously I need to get there again. And I, you know, I've hinted in the past that I need, when lockdown limitations allow us, to to have a bit of time in Devon and stay somewhere, uh, and taken <laughs> round by someone who knows their knows their local gardens and can cook a good sausage roll. And, and I'm just going to leave it there hanging, and uh, and see what happens.
0: You know, right. someone down in Devon who would.
1: Um, I don't Peter know. Peter
0: for those things. Oh, well. Uh, well. We'll find someone. We'll find
1: someone. <laughs> Talking of someone, we need to mention someone on Twitter, yes. a lady called Karen, who has yes. been asking us about training tomatoes, which is going to be the topic of our podcast tonight. All things tomatoes, not just training them, but how to look after them and get them to fruit and crop. We know how popular tomatoes are with uh, amateur, professional, uh, newbie gardeners, everybody. Mm. because they Everyone, are...
0: Everyone's growing tomatoes, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are. Why not? You know, I I I I come from. Uh, I have a, a tomato heritage, which you've, you know, you fondly labelled me as crazy tomato lady. Which so thank you for that. And hashtag. I'm, I'm, hashtag. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But my <laughs> my parents um, were smallholders, as you know, and they retired a, oh, a decade ago or so now. But they were predominantly tomato growers, commercial tomato growers, and we grew tomatoes under glass. Um, not so much outside with commercial tomatoes you want the um, it's it's the the early season and to do that you you do get them under glass and then you get the better prices because uh, by the time the summer comes along everyone's growing tomatoes and they don't command such a strong price so um, yeah so my my childhood years from my earliest memories uh, you know it's half uh, two two and a half years old to three I was there Picking up tomatoes, dusting them off, um, probably you know, shoving them in my mouth and throwing me around and doing things that little toddlers do. But and I've been I've grown up with tomatoes, and to me, I wouldn't it wouldn't feel right to have a year where I never grew them. So this year, because of that um, intrinsic desire to grow the odd variety or two, I've decided to grow over twenty at the hall um just to say <laughs> just for a bit of fun um so uh and i have i did put some photographs up the other day of uh some of those plants um but karen i think was asking about it was about training tomatoes wasn't it, I, think?
0: I i think it was yeah i think it was about um obviously the season's over for sowing them um but i think it's now mm. the long-term uh sort of maintenance of tomatoes you know to get a good crop and i think yeah it was about pruning and training and you know what she should be doing now to to yeah. to look after them and get yeah get a good yield
1: yeah yeah exactly so so we'll just really quickly and i know some people will already know this so apologize if you do but there's lots of people growing tomatoes for the first time this year so we're, we're, we're definitely uh, wanting to help you guys out um there's various types of tomatoes. The ones that my parents used to grow and the ones that I'm very familiar with are cordon tomatoes. Um, and they are grown, uh, as the name cordon implies, with a a single stem. You can also grow double and triple cordons, but for simplicity's sake, we'll stick with the single stem cordon for the moment. Um, there's also varieties that are grown as bush tomatoes. So they have maybe three or four stems clumped together and then you have ones that are dwarf patio varieties that pretty much look after themselves and grow very compact again multiple stems um and you also have hanging basket types which have a tumbling habit and cascade down so they they are really useful if you've got a very small plot then the patio tomatoes that you can get now and the, and the the tumbling types are so so useful for people with i say balconies or very very small plots so that's the main types and they do differ in their management cordon tomatoes are probably the most labor intensive in that um, because you want one single stem to grow and the, the tomato's natural inclination is to produce side shoots in its leaf axles what you do is you take out all the main all the side shoots just leave that central one so you've got that one main stem growing and it's really easy then to train them up a bamboo cane or up some twine And you can grow lots of different varieties in a small space. I've got um, eight growing in my my little seedy greenhouse, all all side by side together. And they they get quite tall. They get to maybe about two metres tall on average, but they can in commercial situations when they're grown from November through to October, they can get like 11 metres long, which is absolutely Mm. nuts. Um, But for most people um uh, most gardeners we say two meters height is the the usual and as i say it's just removing the side shoots and twisting them around the string or tying them to a bamboo cane they're great for um growing in greenhouses because you've got the eaves to tie them to but they're also perfectly good to grow outside and that's what we're doing at the hall this year we're growing lots of cordon on tomatoes against the sunny walls outside um, the bush tomatoes, uh, as I say, you've got say maybe three or four main stems from those. You don't need to pinch them out or do very much. You just tend to, um, rather than uh, give them one bamboo cane or piece of string, I, the way I train them is to put uh, encircle them with with three or four strong bamboo canes. And then I tend to wrap string around those canes to give that some kind of loose um, net uh, appearance. And then the tomato grows within that. And again, they'll get to about a metre, metre and a half tall maximum. Um, uh, And then you've got things like the, as I say, the the dwarf patio tomatoes, which are excellent for newcomers because you don't need to do anything to them. you just grow them with a pot. You don't need to side shoot them. You don't need to train them. You might want to pop a stick in there just to stop them from falling over. Uh, Literally, literally that's it. Job done the most low maintenance tomato you could ever want. And then, as I say, the hanging basket types, the same. You don't need to do anything to them, but they just cascade. And so they're, as I say, great for um, putting in hanging baskets. Or or if you want them to kind of tumble down, uh, if you've got a raised bed and you want the cascade over the side going down some steps, for example. I know you, you're in your own private garden. You've got that raised bed at the, the side of the house. Yeah. And they'd look really nice there because you've got steps going up to that. So there's other ways you can use the hanging basket types. So Saul, so, so, I know you are very much um enjoying your uh, your veg garden this year because you know the owners are at the at Stonelands much more and so you're yep. um trying to grow much more food for them so what tomatoes are yours your favorites
0: yeah so we grow uh we grow cordons and we also grow the hanging basket uh, tomatoes as well because i actually find that in all greenhouses or most greenhouses there's actually quite a bit of negative space above your head and actually filling them with hanging baskets means you're actually using that space as a growing space as well. And I find that's a really great. It's also really nice visually because when you come into a greenhouse, it's quite nice to see the hanging tomatoes. So I grow six uh, six varieties, four cordons, two hanging um basket tomatoes now every year i my benchmark and we'll be i'll be interested to hear what your benchmark tomato for your corns are but i i grow elsa craig every year because i just find that it's just it just very reliable at the moment but uh like you in your uh potatoes if people have heard previous podcasts we may have a <laughs> usurper in our mist yeah, in that this year i'm growing mountain magic for the first time as yep. they're called and um and this is just a standard sort of uh tomato uh, uh not a plum or a, or a beefsteak um and mountain magic at the moment seems to have just a bit more vigor i'm still uh there's a bit of fruit set i'm still waiting for major fruit set to happen but i'm just getting this sense that mountain magic might be my um my go-to for the future
1: i was just going to mention very quickly and we'll talk about this later that mountain magic has got really strong blight resistance late blight resistance we'll touch on that later on so i think like you say it's that for you in the in, in the west where it's a bit bit wetter and, and more blight prone Then that that definitely would be worth looking at um
0: and then i've got a beefsteak uh which i just grow because of the name it's called big daddy <laughs> lovely uh, love having a bit of big daddy about um and then San Marzano is a a plum type, uh, which I find really great for cooking. Um, but I am going to mix them up uh, as the years go by and try. I haven't got much space. Uh, I don't grow any outdoor tomatoes because of the blight, which we will talk about. Um, and then yeah, the two hanging gar- um, basket tomatoes. Now my go-to for years has been a, a really fantastic tomato called Cherry Cascade, and oh, it's just an amazing. Uh, uh, flavour of tomato unfortunately I couldn't get hold of it this year um seed wise um mostly because I used to go to the garden centre to get it but I couldn't actually get there so I had to order a few and I couldn't get it off online so this year I've got um one called garden pearl or Garten pearl I'm sure lots of people know that and then this really interesting sort of semi um plum tomato yellow um tomato called pear drops which i've never tried before do you know it do you and it it looks really interesting the only thing i can say so far is it hasn't gone lax it's tense it's going upwards it looks like a cordon tomato in a hanging basket so it's not quite doing what i want it to do but i am looking forward to it flopping i hope yeah. it'll flop <laughs> or else it's just going to look really strange going through the <laughs> eaves going through the ventilation and me sitting there thinking, "Hmm, this isn't quite the hanging <laughs> tomato I thought it was going to be."
1: That's when the owners come down and you say, "That's it's meant it's meant to be like that. This is just a new way of, new way of growing be, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the way <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So, what are your what's your benchmark of tomatoes, and what's ones you've grown oh, many well, times? for me,
1: and again, we need to differentiate between the outdoor and the indoor varieties because uh, indoor at the moment, yeah. uh, I always grow. Uh, and I have done since I, I I tried it. I don't know how many years ago now, maybe ten years ago. One called Furline, which is classed as a beef, beefsteak, beef steak, but it's not. I, when you look at it, it botanically, it's a beef steak, but actually it's just a large slicing tomato, and it has blight resistance. It's not got the most um, the strongest blight resistance. It's it's. Uh, like I could say we'll talk about that in more depth in a second. Um, but the flavour of that is really really good I love it Uh, and for me it's all about the flavor and obviously things such as you know ease of cultivation as well but really paramount is flavor so that's my main slicing tomato these are this is a cordon. And the, all the ones I'm going to talk about here are cordons for the minute because they're my glass house tomatoes. So the main cherry I grow as a, a cordon is one called Sweet Aperitif, which was launched on the market maybe, oh gosh, probably longer than I imagined. But I would I would say maybe five or six years ago, it may even be longer. And I know in the gardening press we were allowed to taste test various tomatoes and Sweet Aperitif came up tops time and time again because it's got really high sugar levels. What's measured in the trade is, is the the bricks um reading it's it's a it's a number given to tomatoes to depend on how much sugar the fruits contain but it also i don't just like sweetness because sun gold for example another orange cherry tom is very sweet but i i like the taste of sweet aperitif because it's also got the acidity to balance it out and it's a tiny little cherry um very pop in the mouth of all it's 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 only probably about a centimeter across maximum um and the trusses are really long it cascades down it looks really good um it's very prolific so it just ticks lots lots of boxes it's very aesthetically pleasing as well as Blimmin', blimmin' tasty that's all I can say about it and then for my my beefsteak <laughs> which is again a cordon I grow one called um tamand which is an improvement on the super marmonde um so that's well, I've an grown old, yeah, before it's, yeah it's, it's lovely isn't it I mean it, this, it, it is super,
0: lovely yeah. it's a,
1: a French heritage variety super marmonde and mm. then t- there's been definitely improvements um So Tamond is one that I've tried that I think the flavour is is, is just that little bit better. I was reading today, I've been doing some research on an article today, uh, an article for one of the magazines I wrote for, on blight. And I was very interested to learn that there's one seed company that's that's developed what they call an improvement on Tomond. And it's got a better flavour. So I'm actually going to just inquire as to whether I can... If I'm lucky enough, I might get to taste some fruits if they if they would send me some this year, just so I can compare like with like. Or if not, I'll grow it from seed next year, and that might be another little experiment to try. So, yeah. So the, when it comes to glasshouse Thomas, it's my three Tomond, Sweet teeth and Ferline. They're my they're my standards. But um, outdoor tomatoes. What I'm doing at the hall this year, we we do have greenhouses at the hall, but I'm not growing the tomatoes in there. My 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 primary aim this year is to see whether you can still grow outdoor tomatoes and some of them are like you say the 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 you know the 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 older types like um like things like you know ace elsa craig um i'm trying to think of some of the other ones we've got ro- things like roma which is roma vf which is like a a, a plum a paste tomato with, with few seeds and a high pulp kind of density to it um and we've got then much more modern introductions like um things such as uh mascocta which i think is a new introduction it's a new one for me it's like a, again a, a one that grows as a, a sort of dwarf patio variety um, and then things such as summer last which uh, t- just touching on the blight resistance again there's a few uh, tomatoes now like summer last rubylicious uh, we mentioned mountain magic um, there's also crimson blush and one called consuelo so crimson blush is a beefsteak if anyone wants to try a, a blight resistant beefsteak and i should i shouldn't say blight resistant because um outdoor tomatoes are very susceptible to blight when the conditions are warm and wet in the summer um so specifically you if the temperature is above 10 degrees and then we have high humidity, so we're talking about 90% humidity for a set period of time. That's when late blight, which is caused by the fungus, is a fungus-like organism, sorry, I'm getting all botanical now, Phytophthora infestans, it causes these massive big brown lesions on the stems and on the fruit, and it's very quick to act when those weather conditions are right. Um, so yeah, the, the tomatoes I've mentioned there have much more improved blight resistance i talked about furline which which has got resistance Mm. but it's only got resistance to older strains of blight blight is a fungus that mutates like crazy and this is why you you're probably looking in seed catalogs thinking oh what there's another blight resistant this is the latest you know blight resistant tomato to grow is that just a load of marketing spiel do you know it's not it's not because late blight will mutate time and time and time again and we know of, there's certain strains that have been labelled with these lovely names like blue 13 green 33 pink 6 all these lovely names that they give to the strains of late blight that are much more aggressive and prevalent than they used to be um so what you need to do is look in the seed catalogues and find these varieties that have got resistance to the latest strains of blight and the ones that i've mentioned there um as i say mountain magic uh, be Consuelo and there's a few new ones that haven't maybe had much uh, experience, uh growing experience in the in the in people's gardens yet they're being introduced by seed companies but they're still very very new um try those because that's the way to if you want to grow outdoor tomatoes that's the way to try to to beat the blight
0: yeah so so think about just our, for Karen uh what she was asking is about what how mm. pruning when do you, because yeah. I, indoors, because I grow mine up string, I actually grow them a lot taller than two metres. Um, they go right into the eaves of the greenhouse before I actually chop yeah. them off. So that might give me six to seven um trusses of fruit. But for most people, it, it's it's regularly, and especially if outdoors, it's generally about four or five, isn't it, I think?
1: Yeah. I'm and, then, outside and then prune the top of Head out. height. Yeah, yeah, like you say, once they get to, say, head height, then you take out the leader and you keep taking out the side shoots as well because you still just want that one main stem. Um, Mm. And normally they get to head height outside would be like maybe uh, late July, August time. Um, And then you've just got to be a bit careful with the watering because by then you haven't got the the side shoots are quite handy in a way because they allow surplus water to be taken up by the plant, um, by the foliage. If you've got no sort of spare foliage on the plant then fruit splitting is really common um right especially when you get summer thunderstorms and there's not many fruit left on on the plant because you've been picking them throughout you know sort of like july going into august there's there's fewer fruits so they take up more water and then they split so that's just something to be more mindful of in the latter part of the growing season that try to keep your tomatoes more, more consistently moist so they don't have the glutton dearth of moisture it's when they suddenly take up lots of moisture that the skin spit after being dry you
0: can physically see the fruit splitting can't yeah. you it's it's yeah. um, it's quite notable well i hope that's answered your question karen and uh we hope that's answered anyone's questions if anyone wants to know more about tomatoes get hold of lucy on twitter because she really is the crazy tomato lady
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> So that concludes today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and would love any feedback or reviews you feel compelled to give us via your preferred podcast provider or social media platform.
0: Life in the garden and out of it continually evolves for all of us. There is now reference to a new kind of normal and we're excited to hope that this will bring opportunities to visit gardens, friends and colleagues, old and new, so we can gradually adjust from virtual to actual worlds.
1: Specialist nurseries, gardening charities, small businesses and self-employed individuals will still rely on us for financial support and encouragement over the coming weeks and months. We hope everyone in this profession is digging deep and finding ways to flourish. We are continually thinking of you all.
0: Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye. goodbye!